재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Bringing you stimulating discussions on current affairs Discover the best of news and current affairs Primetime on TBS EFM There are some contrasts, though, uh, if we look at the uh, recent example with uh, the Orlando shooting in that, although ISIS claimed responsibility, uh, it, it has been deemed by, by various analysts that that individual was basically a lone wolf or he, he had some disturbing issues on his own and he had uh, recently come to embrace the ideology of uh, ISIS or Islamic State. This situation in um, Turkey with the nightclub shooting, do you feel that there is more of this wider coordinated kind of uh, campaign to try and uh, destabilize the country, particularly because of its role uh, within uh, these various hotspots like Syria? 
Well, I would be speculating. We don't really know. Um, but you, you're right to put a finger on two different routes into that terrible act. I mean, one is that, as in the case of the Bataclan attack, which was followed, the attack on cafes, and uh, earlier than that, a football stadium, um, that seems to have had quite an elaborate amount of planning behind it. The, the perpetrators were in touch were with and were funded by and trained by ISIS. That could be seen as a direct ISIS attack. But, of course, as you rightly point out, the, uh, one of the most uh, scary facts about modern terrorism um, for anybody involved in counterterrorism is the idea that people can convert to Islam and know what it, ISIS or what Allah would want and carry out the attack largely unaided. I mean, there's always uh, there's a big debate within academics about what a lone, whether a lone wolf ever really exists. Uh, there's the logistical thing about getting actual help, and even Timothy McVeigh, the right-wing terrorist, did have some actual help. But he was largely ideologically self-programmed. But it's certainly there's very rarely such a thing as a lone wolf who creates the radical ideology out of nowhere. These people are, to use the jargon, instrumentalized and turned into human weapons by an ideology which celebrates acts of martyrdom. So we don't quite know yet. And we may never know, really. And the same issue, of course, exists for the Berlin truck driver. How far that guy who was trying to get down to Milan, apparently, to link up with some other fellow radicals, uh, we don't know whether that was a cell or whether that was just mates or friends or whether they, they actually had uh, somebody uh, carrying out messages and bringing finance from ISIS. We don't really know. But whether we're dealing with relative lone wolves or with people who are actually uh, carrying out commands, the, the choice of these targets makes, uh, creates enormous headaches. In the case of the Turkey attack, of course, there, as you say, um, the, the, there are far more local factors in Turkey. Uh, I, just geo, geopolitically and Turkey's role in fighting ISIS has made it uh, a, a much and and it being a, a Muslim country has made it a, a very different sort of target than, say, Paris, London, or New York. Yeah, and, and as you point out, the whether it is a, a series of lone wolf attacks or whether there is some coordination, these are cells and they're getting uh, orders from from up high. Uh, these are people who are are radicalized, and they are certainly uh, by definition uh, creating terror among the populace. With Turkey uh, and its um, internal political situation where you have the government of Erdogan uh, moving into a more Islamist uh, type of governance where it traditionally has been a secular country. And we talk about uh, Islamists and I suppose this very complicated intersection of who is um, attacking who and for what reasons. Does that affect the political situation at all, you think? Well, it does, but I think secular non-Muslims have to get their heads around a, a point that is quite difficult to grasp, uh, and certainly at the level of uh, sort of Trump-like Islamophobia, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to, to discern it at all. One of the key points that people don't quite get in the West unless they've studied this thing, and I certainly didn't, uh, was that for radical uh it's called global. It's called global Salafi jihad. They, these are people who believe they're going back to the original sources of Islam, without all the accretions and perversions that have accumulated over the last uh, 
1,600 years or whatever it is, 1,400 years. And for them, they represent pure Islam, and they are defending pure Islam. And they see, and this is really important to remember, they see nearly every single Muslim state as a phony Muslim state. In fact, they're, they're even more of an enemy than secular states. Mm. I mean, secular states are just, as it were, outside Islam. But they have a particular uh, animus against uh, Muslim states that are not their sort of Islam. So, uh, hence the, the, the fact that um, somebody like Qutub, who was one of the QUTBs worth looking up for his book, Milestones or Signposts, where it's all there, as it were, all written out. I mean, uh, Qutub, who, who generated this radical um, Islamist political Islam ideology, he was actually uh, imprisoned and executed by uh, Egypt as an Islamic state. So the, the trouble for ISIS is that Egypt, though we call it a Muslim state, and even if it becomes more of an Islamist state, is not Islamist enough. Mm. And what I'd like to remind listeners of is the fact that only a few hundred years ago, Europe were, uh, was tearing itself apart with religious wars, there was torture, mm. there were pogroms, there were there were wars. And the, in a way, Islam as a religion is in a critical state of internal schism and factionalism and sectarianism, which we went through as a, well, I say we, a Western Christian, post-Christian society, hundreds of years ago. But to complicate the internal tensions and wars of Islam at the moment is the fact that there is also a war going on for ISIS and its confederates against the West as well. So this is really like a very complicated set yeah. of different battlefronts. Now, so when we're what we're talking about with Islamic State or Daesh or, or ISIS or however Daesh. we want to call it, this this vision that they have of uh, reestablishing a caliphate, this uh, idea of going back to their vision of pure Islam, is this would be different than what we've seen with um, Sunni Wahhabi uh, uh, sects in in Saudi Arabia or or the Taliban in Afghanistan, which would well, be more related, insular. You see. Okay, I mean Islam, like many major religions, including even Buddhism or Christianity is to be seen as a vast tree with many branches. I mean, there are sects within Islam which are also hated by ISIS, such as Sufism, which breathe a sort of hippie, mm-hmm. mystic creed of love and, and, and art and spirituality, which uh, seem a thousand miles away from what we're dealing with with uh, Daesh. Uh, so uh, I think one of the things that we really must start getting more sophisticated about at the reporting level is just to make sure that listeners don't think there's a single block thing called Islam. Because, for example, Trump's call to stop all Muslims come to America symbolizes a sort of crude, uh, put everything in the same basket uh, approach to religious cultures, which really doesn't help at all. Uh, In the course of the 19th century, there were various radical offshoots from Islam, all of which can be seen from outside by people like me as uh, as self-protective attempts to uh, preserve Islam in an increasingly globalized and secularized modern world. And one response to secularism and globalization is to actually retrench into more and more radical forms of your faith. So Deobandism, Wahhabism, mm-hmm. um, and, and ta- the Taliban and various forms of Salafism. And of course, in the middle of all this, there's also this tragic gulf and split between 
Sunni and Shia, right. and, we, and the fact that there are different countries with different affiliations, and even within the same country, uh, you, you, you have the split. So, extremely complicated. Uh, so, I just think we have to somehow uh, use radio and TV and debates uh, to try and get people to nuance all this, so we never give the impression that there's some sort of terrible clash between uh, civilization and Islam. It's far more nuanced than that. Yeah, it's just uh, simply sending out a tweet, I suppose, disparaging an entire uh, religion or civilization. Uh, probably a little bit of a heavy-handed approach, I suppose, if you want to give an understatement to what we've seen with uh, President-elect Donald Trump so far. Uh, we will have to leave it there. Professor Griffin, thank you so much for joining us and for well, it's uh, sharing with us. It's been a great pleasure, and I wish, uh, I wish uh, all, all, all your listeners a, a very good new year in whatever culture or religion it's experienced. Happy New Year to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much.